I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to this podcast, which is an abridged version of the television interview that I did with Ellie Simmons as part of my In Conversation series for W Channel. This podcast is brought to you by UKTV Play, the free on-demand service. Tonight, I'm going to be in conversation with a person who is the youngest ever recipient of an MBA. She was awarded that when she was 14, and by the time she was 18, this had already been upgraded to an OBA. And by the time she was 21, she had competed in three Paralympic Games, winning gold in each. Tonight, I'm going to be in conversation with Ali Simmons. Thanks for doing the show. Thank you for having me on. No, well, I was just talking about you when I did the introduction and getting your MBA at 14, OBA at 18 and three Paralympics by the time you were 21. Now, as I was saying that, I know that there'll be a lot of parents looking along the couch at their own teenage kids going, God, you're shit. (laughs) Do you feel like you've achieved a lot or has it just been a natural progression for you? Um, To be honest... um... It just feels like a natural progression. I don't really look back and think of all the things that I've achieved. Actually, like, the other day, people were like, oh, where do I keep my gold medals? At the moment, they were just in, like, drawers in my house. So they just took to But do you have to be like that as a competitor? Do you have to forget about it, not dwell Um, on it and move on? Half and half. I think you've got to use them as a motivation and... Especially the London 2012 Games. Um, that's the games that I'll never, ever forget. Um, it was just a pinnacle in my career. And I use that some days as a motivator. Well, just pause when you say that. <laughs> that was the pinnacle in your career. Just remind everyone how old you were then. 17. So 17 so, in London. You know, you've got longer to go, <laughs> I felt quite you? old in that Games, to be honest. Because um, I look back and I, th- I look at 12-year-olds and 13-year-olds and think, gosh, they're quite young. Did you recognise as a, as a kid that you were more motivated than any of your peers or your family? Oh, I'm very competitive, yeah. But you're, you're, you're one of five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And were the other four the same? Or? Um, no. I think I've got, they've got the brains, so I've got the sport. <laughs> yeah. um, but no, they, they always come, especially to the Paralympics, they, some came to Beijing and I feel like the whole of the crowd in London 2012, my, my friends and family. So there's me, then there's Katie, then there's uh, Stephen, then there's Pauline and then there's Georgina. So I'm the youngest. <laughs> so I've, yeah, I think that's, it's been quite nice being the youngest, but I'm always... Uh, but, but there's a big age gap as oh, well, Oh, yeah, there is it? a big age gap, yes. So did you have a close relationship with them? Because you were so much younger than them. Yeah, I did. Me and my sister still do now. By what you're saying, your childhood sounds normal and oh, sounds yeah, happy. definitely. It was, definitely. I had a great childhood. And I think it's from those the opportunities that my parents gave me and the support from my family that... I don't think I would have been able to do the things that I've done today without them, definitely. Yeah. I think you don't, you see 
me as an athlete um, performing for however long I'm out there in the pool for five minutes or for two minutes, but you don't see all that other stuff that goes well, into the, it. I've got to be honest, this is the thing about swimming, and you might explain it to me because I've never spoke to an elite athlete who's a swimmer, but the training for swimming is Bonkers. Oh, yeah, it's like, quite a lot of hours. Everybody I know, because one of my son's mates was in a swimming squad, and it was always like <laughs> six o'clock in the morning yeah, in the pool. Yeah, it is pretty early. And I, there's no reason for that. I, I know. Everyone always asks me, I'm like, I don't really know what the thing is, we just do but it. But it's always like, it's a oh, bonkers time in the morning. It's, it's always six o'clock in the morning, oh, then you yeah. go to school, and then it, you come back and then do it again. It's, it's of, of all the sports, it's the one that seems most intense in terms of the uh, training time. Is there any particular reason for that? I don't know. I wish I knew, but, um, and I wish they put the timings back. Like, when I went to school, I used to have to get up at, like, 4.45 to be in the pool for quarter past five in the morning and then train for two hours and then go to school and then go from straight from school to training again and then either that after swimming, I used to have to fit in gym and core and things. So, it's a lot of, lot of hard work, definitely. But it's a lot of hard work. And it's great if you if you you know you're gonna be in the you know the Paralympics or you're gonna be at the Olympics or you're gonna be at World Championships, but you don't know that it's a lot of hard work. Oh, yeah, lonely, is. really, it isn't is. it? Apart from the yeah, it's just you and your head really, and, and seeing that black line in the middle of the lane, which is I'm not really promoting swimming in a good time. <laughs> <laughs> when you're three and a half swimming at the Dwarf Games, yeah. Just to, to avoid any confusion, the Dwarf Games is for, for, for people who, who have got the same condition that you've got with dwarfism or... Yeah. Achondroplasia yeah. is the genetic yeah. mutation that, that yeah. causes dwarfism. So, um, so, so, so dwarf is the accepted phrase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so that's what I was competing in and I'm still involved now. I'm a patron of it. So it's a... The Dwarf Games is to get dwarfs basically involved in all levels of sport. It wasn't just swimming, was it? No, no, it's all sports. And they have an annual convention every year in May um, and it, they do a whole range of sports. So it's athletics, powerlifting, um, team sports. And it's just trying to get people with dwarfism playing and involved in sport and uh, getting them all competing. En engaged yeah, engaged just... in a um, but level all... playing field. But also, I guess, meeting each other. Yeah, and the awareness, like, and especially when you're youngster and having um, able-bodied parents and um, parents that are need to know about what's it like having children with dwarfism or just, it's just being aware of the struggles or the chatting to each other and it's just to share, share and help and develop so that we, they don't just think of we're nothing, that as an individual they can't do anything. They can go out there and achieve anything no matter what, not just in sport but in life in general as well and I think that's really showcased what it did in, in London 2012, that disabled people can achieve something. Oh, absolutely. With you though, your family, your, your sister Katie's also got dwarfism, yeah, but, but your has. other siblings haven't, and no, you, no. you've got able-bodied parents. Yeah. And and so it seemed to me, reading about you, that you were just treated as a normal child. Oh, yeah, definitely. So it really was. You also joined the swimming club and yeah. just competed with able-bodied competitors. Yeah, I did. Right from the age of five, was yeah, it? Yeah, very or six? young age. I started 
not swimming competitively for my swimming club, so Balmere Swimming Club, so competing at local galas on a weekend against able-bodied people, and I loved that. I did, I really enjoyed it. And yeah, I hated losing, because the majority of the time I didn't win. But I think that was the point as well, when I started, there was big difference in it, um, difference in coming first to where I was placed. Um, my mum looked about and found disability competitions, so I first went to my juniors at the age of seven, and that was a disability competition where I was, yes, yeah, I'm really well. I've read when you said that you went to that because you've been competing with able-bodied people. Yeah. You kind of got used to being last, and then yeah, all of a sudden you were with people who, who had disabilities. And we'll come on to the categorisation in a minute. But had disabilities and all of a sudden you were winning. But you also said it was the first time you were in a pool with people with disabilities yeah. where you'd have to swim past legs and limbs. Oh, I that remember were... walking in and seeing, like, when amputees get in the pool, they always take their legs off or wheelchairs and stuff. And I always remember, as a seven-year-old, walking past in the pool and thinking, gosh, what are all these legs doing about? And what are the, all these wheelchairs? And it was just such a... It took me back a bit, but now I see my teammates and I just don't think of them any different. But I think it's quite daunting in some respect when you see legs and arms and wheelchairs all about. And it's quite amazing to watch, especially wheelchair people, enter the pool, like the lower classifications, so the ones who are quite severe disabilities. People wheel them and literally dunk them <laughs> in the pool. I'm like, I watch them, I'm like, oh, my God. So when you, can you imagine when you're a youngster saying someone shove them, shove a, a person in a pool wheel in a wheelchair I was like oh my gosh well there is there is that thing as well about about the whole Olympic movement where everybody focuses on those four years and then it then it's done and there's a lot of lot of suggestions that in the Olympic village and, and again the, the Paralympic village after the games everyone lets off steam oh yeah big definitely time. yeah it does it does but you've got to enjoy it haven't you like we've trained so hard for the four years we've given our life to the sport and then you go out there and achieve what you achieve so and everyone's told me the swimmers because you compete first they're the worst yeah well i think we are yeah <laughs> you don't drink leading up to a games um so for me i don't really drink a year before it so afterwards when there's parties and you have like a glass of champagne or something it goes to your head straight away and to think you've got a room full of disabled people all getting drunk and some are already legless yeah yeah and you see you see you see them you see them crutches like I apparently I was trying to steal a guy's crutches and me as a and me as a as a small person with big crutches I was remember people were rolling down um, getting wheelies to like roll down wheelchair access routes and stuff and it's just so funny and it's so good at the same time which is which is bad but yeah so so as you say category one S1. Yeah, that's the class of cash. That's yeah, the yeah. But, but, so S1 is the most severely disabled, yeah, and it, it can is. be as extreme as not even being able to move yeah. anything below your neck yeah. almost. And then that comes up to S10, where you might have a little thing. A few thing mingers missing yeah. or something like that. And then, so I'm an S6, so, so I'm, I'm slap bang in the middle. So S6 is, in your case, it's driven by height. So you're at 125 centimetres. Yeah, yeah. If you grow, grow up a bit, 
above it, I'll be in the next category. So do you ever dip down like that? Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I've gone past that point ages ago now. So if it's a, if I grow again, it'll be a miracle. So so just take your category because I've seen your races. You come out as a small person. You go, okay, I can see that there's a level yeah. of disability. But then you'll be on a line, and there's there was somebody. In fact, it was in the final as well. I think at um, at Rio, where someone's got no arms. Yeah, yeah. So it's no. a whole. I, I know you're small, but they've got no arms. I know, yeah. So um, before we get internationally classified, you go in front of the classifiers and they measure you and do all these things and to make you see how strong your muscles are and all proportional. Really? Yeah, and then on land and then they go in the water. So for me, um, I got put in a six so I can race against people who have got no arms, cerebral palsy, um, paralysed. From the waist down. Yeah, so for me it's like two arms for me is one arm. So so, so that so that is, that's how so you've been measured that because of the length of your arms, it, for you to move through water, yeah. your arm is working I suppose half. Yeah. Moving and, half the amount of water yeah, with so, my arm. Yeah, so okay. like I think like comparing it to the Olympics, so Michael Phelps's wingspan is probably my height, so it's a bit Yeah, yeah. Well I mean So he, I can't he, race against him, but um against I can't race against <laughs> him. You're not on your own there. <laughs> I don't think anyone can. Um, but yeah, so it's 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 it is like it is very confusing. But when you're in the sport, and I think watching the Paralympics with the Lexi's guide and what the TV companies oh, do. Oh, this I think that the television coverage has been oh, brilliant. Uh, yeah. And you know, I think all credit's got to go to to Channel Four really yeah, for definitely. starting it with Beijing and then following it through. I think it's. It's brilliant because it, it has really opened it up. And they do great at trying to explain it. But, but it I've is. never spoke to someone who's been a para-athlete to say, well, well, when you walk in, do you ever, do you look and go, hang on, I think they've cheated the classification here? Um, or, not really, no. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah, so that's what I mean. It's very strict. It's yeah. so, yeah, it's it so is, regiment. Is, the Olympic think, body or the Paralympic body has yeah. got it down. There's so always going to be knows. that those people that, especially with people who haven't got stable disabilities. So for me, during, in the London 2012 Paralympics, one of my main rivals, Victoria Arlen, she got classified in and then she got classified out each day and and now she's... What, what was her disability? So she was in a wheelchair, but she actually was an able-bodied athlete and got ill and got paralysed by a virus. So she hadn't she didn't have a stable disability, and that's really hard for the classifiers to measure. So, so, so what do you mean by a stable disability? So, for me, I've got a stable disability. Nothing's going to change. I'm always going to be small and a dwarf. But someone who's maybe got MS or got an illness that makes them disabled for a bit that could potentially get right, better, that okay. it's hard because it's hard to put them in a certain classification because they might be getting better. They might be degenerating or getting better. Yeah, so, um, and that's what happened with my rival, Victoria Arlen. She actually can walk now like a normal person. So, um, but at that time during the games, she was in a wheelchair and paralyzed. So it's really hard, especially with disability sport. You never know who's going to come on the scene. Like you could be a top athlete, a normal able-bodied athlete, and then have an injury, a car crash the next day and decide, oh, the Paralympics is for you and wipe the slate clean. So it's yeah. it's always it's very exciting, but you never know who's going to be on the scene. So John, maybe the next games. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> oh, great. I've just, got, I'm all, I'm just waiting for my car crash to happen. Why aren't you in the Olympics, Dad? I haven't had a car crash, son. Yeah, so after, afterwards, I'll go and get my car. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is sponsored by UK TV Play, the free on-demand service, where you can watch the TV shows you love from Dave, Yesterday, Really and Drama, wherever you want, whenever you want the home of BAFTA-nominated series Taskmaster and the critically acclaimed Red Dwarf, alongside other UK TV Play exclusive including The White Princess and Most Haunted. UK TV Play offers free access to thousands of hours of comedy, drama, documentaries and paranormal TV, all for free. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. You were talking before about the commitments that get made to train for the Olympics, but you left home at 11, didn't you, to, yeah, go, to did. go and train in Swansea? Yeah. We spoke as a family, we all discussed, my siblings were aware and they were very supportive and I was lucky at that time, being the youngest, and my sister moved into university so it, was only, it would have been only my mum, my dad and me at home mm. that we've decided to make that sacrifice and move to Swansea, which at that point in time was a high-performance centre for Paralympic swimming and being with the coach, Billy Pye, it was a, it was a great move. So we moved to Swansea Monday to Saturday morning so I went to school there and then on the weekends we used to drive back home. So it was a three hours, so I knew that route very well. So you go, you go to Beijing. When you're there and you're in Beijing and you're soaking up the experience, you know, you've gone to see how, how you're going to get on. You did more than that when you got there. Obviously, you won gold. Oh, I loved Beijing. It was such a good game. It was amazing. But did you exceed your own expectations? Oh, yeah, definitely. I wasn't supposed to get those two goals at yeah. all. Yeah, people probably wouldn't have thought that. So my first race, the 100 metres freestyle, I was going in, like, fifth. And somehow... We were all in a line, there was like five of us, and I put my turbo charge on and just went and came away with a touch first and got the gold in the 100 metres yeah. freestyle. So I don't know how that happened. But that moment, you know, I, what went through your mind then when you thought, I've, you touch? Because that's the other thing I've never, I've never understood in the swimming. Are you aware of where everyone else yeah, is? Yeah, you are. Like, I'm always looking. Probably, I shouldn't be, but yeah. Well, that's what I mean, because you yeah. have a stroke where you, yeah, your I head goes Yeah, I always, like, look. Like, I'm like, ooh, but no, where you is don't, everyone? You don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen you, you don't go, oh, where is everyone? You're not doggy <laughs> fat, like you, you just go and, and you, yeah. you, you, it just, if you, if you see it, everything, that in itself is a skill. Because it's always struck me, like, I, I, I always see them touch. And I look around as if anyone else has got their face, <laughs> yeah. so you actually knew. 
um, have one goal? Not, no, no, I didn't. I look, but then when you touch, the scoreboards are normally like right behind you. So you probably think we're looking at other people. We're looking at the scoreboard to see where we are. And normally, knowing me, I don't know why, but I look, and if I've done well, I get emotional. I always say afterwards, why, Elle? Why do you cry? Why do you cry? It's so embarrassing, but I always cry. Yeah, Laugh. but... I, I can understand. I mean, I'd be crying at the start. I'd be going, God, I've got it. I know I'm normally pooing my pants before. <laughs> <not> <laughs> and that was something I've always wondered as well, because swimming is different than other sports, because you have to share a common space. You're in the same dressing room, aren't you? Oh, yeah. It's a very creepy place. Like, think of you and your seven other people that you hate, like, in a little confined room. You can't hate them. Well, That's not the Olympics, baby. <laughs> well, afterwards, we're friends, but yeah. during it, I hate yeah. them. Because well, they're my enemies and they've got to beat their bums. Oh, so focused. You can yeah. see when you come out. And I'm always like, just go out there and do it and give it everything. And that's I grit my teeth and I'm like... Oh. So, so you're 13, you do that, you win a couple of goals, you come home, your life's changed, and then you also get an MBA. Yeah. Now, what, what's it like getting an MBA? What happens if someone oh. not come to the school well, and say... Um, well, I got a letter through the post from the Queen, and to be fair, I didn't know what it was. So I, I read it and was like, oh, Mum, I've got a letter from the Queen, um, something about an MBA, I don't know what it is, have a read. Um, so I was like, oh, yeah, and then she was like, oh, Oh my gosh, it's an MBA. I was like, oh, what's that? And she was just like telling me it's a really like prestigious thing from the Queen. Member of the British Empire. Yeah. yeah. And at that age, I was like, oh gosh, what? Do I get to go to Buckingham Palace? That's all I was chuffed about. She was like, they were like, yeah, you do. I was well, like, oh, we've great. We've actually got a picture of the Queen giving you your MBA. And I love this picture because. You look so proud, but what I love about it is you're probably the only person the Queen's ever bowed to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, she was so nice. To be to be honest, I was really nervous because you get in and get put in a room and you get told like how, what you have to do. So you have to like say her ma'am and curtsy and not allowed to walk back you have to walk backwards and stuff and I was just so nervous thinking gosh what, what happens if I don't do this like at a young age you think will I get put in prison well if I don't do anything so I was so nervous and then going to her she was just reminded me of like my old grandma so you've already I suppose done enough to say right I, I've I can stop now but you you give yourself the target of the thing that you wanted most which was London oh yeah home games it's it's a, a, a thing everyone wants, an athlete everyone wants in their career. It's, it's not nothing that we're going to get again and to go to it. And I think that was really nice after coming back from Beijing. It was, it was seeing the build of the London 2012. Mm. So I saw the Aquatic Centre when it was just a concrete thing and then seeing it develop, and I thought that was really exciting. Seeing how the public got really excited for it, the lead-up to it, like... But I, I heard some people were like, oh, I want to get out from London, I don't want to be there during the Games. But a lot of people were just really enthusiastic, and that was so nice. And I thought, oh. how can I retire? I'm only 14, and I've got to go to another Games. I know, and when, I, when I'll be old enough to drink with all my teammates. <laughs> I, you know, the thing with the London Games, I think it was typically British. We yeah. all moaned about oh, it yes. until everyone it happened. Everyone did, apparently. And then, everyone, and then did. everyone embraced it. And you know, the 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 Paralympics went to a completely different level there. I think because of the exposure that had happened in Beijing on television, and because there was 
there was people like Sarah Story, people like yourself, people who, who the, the general public could identify with. So we had heroes within the Paralympics. Yeah. But for you at 18, that's putting an enormous, well, 17, it's putting an enormous amount of pressure oh on my you. Gosh, yeah, I, some days I didn't know how I was coping. Like, it was so, so much pressure. I think the public already thought I got the gold medal even before I got in the yeah. pool. For me, that's how I felt like the media was portraying it. And I was just, it just made me think, gosh. Um, what am I going to do if I don't get the gold medal? And it's, but also it was a motivation because um, I needed to prove that I could do it again and I could defend my title. But another thing that got in my way was after my trials. So for a competition, we have a trials to hit a qualification standard to get picked. Yeah. So I had done that. So I was going into London as so far as world record holder. And then an American came on the scene three months before the Games and broke all my world records. And I was thinking, oh, home games, even more pressure, and I'm not even going as home favourite. So that was really nerve-wracking. And then really what scared. happened? And then it made me train harder, so I came out with and two goals. And then what happened? And I got two world records, so... Exactly. Yeah, so it was, um, it was good. She can piss off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go back to your America. <laughs> yeah, get out of here. <laughs> But that's what I mean. That was the bit that struck me because you you were, if you like, the, the poster girl at the Paralympics. There was a lot of pressure on it. It was home games. And there was this assumption that, as you say, you were going to win. That release of that pressure and the realisation of that dream, what was the feeling like then? Because obviously there was tears in the pool, there yeah. was probably tears in houses all over the country. Everybody, everybody was rooting for you and everybody was with you. But for you, you were the only person who could do it. Once you hit that water, you're completely on your own. Yeah, it is. And it's a scary moment, that is. Like, you have all this support and all this crowd. And, like, I remember, like... London 2012, something that I'll never ever forget. It was the best moment of my life. I remember walking from the call room, which is where all the athletes gathers, and I'm really nervous. And then you walk out, and the pool was 7,500 people just erupted. And that was so, that was scary, but it was adrenaline rush as well. And then you're standing behind that lane, and you're thinking, gosh, I've got eight lengths of this pool. It's just me and that work pool and my lane. You dive on the block, you get in, and you just swim your heart out. And it's, I can't hear anyone else. That moment, it's just me, just me and my mind pushing myself to the limit. Normally, I'm counting to my Myself, that's what I'm thinking. What are you counting strokes? No, or? no, I'm counting the lengths because I always get scared that I'm gonna over either do 10 lengths or do six lengths. So I'm normally like <laughs> one length turn, two lengths, and, th and then I'm like, oh, Victoria's there, Miriam's there, you've still got a few more lengths, you can do this. And then when the last hundred to go, I'm like, gosh, it's a hundred to go, can I just finish? Like you're breathing and you're yeah. panting out your, your head, you're so tough. But I thought, I'm just gonna have to put my head down and go for it and just and you know when you like grit your teeth and you just go for it and I, I know well it, watching it that's exactly what it was like because it seemed measured and controlled and then that last hundred is it's that little propeller yeah on my arms yeah so i touched the wall and i saw victoria and i was just like I looked up and I did 519, which was a five-second PB, and I was just like, oh, gosh. I just cried my eyes out. I was so happy. And I saw Billy, my coach, and he was just like, I, I, I could do it, but it, do you know when you're like, woo! <laughs> 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 you're just running around, and I was like, woo! 
And then you just, it's just like everything hits you. The emotion, the relief, I think for me was a big thing. Just that I'd done it, I'd finally got that gold medal after all the amount of pressure and all the hard work and happiness. It's so many emotions you can think of. That's how you feel for that split second, that all that time. And then you get out and you, you're trying to breathe and like you've got all the crowd and things and then you have to go and have to do an interview yeah. so that's really hard because you've just done an eight length of your heart out race and then you've got a camera shoving in your mouth saying how how do you feel how, how happy am i yeah i feel really happy can you <laughs> tell <laughs> so so you do london london's a massive success and really all it does is propel you again to another another level of awareness for the public you know because yeah. you, you're not only then a paralympian but you're also recognizable you're famous you moved on to other things in terms of opportunities that that brings. Was that ever distracting for you? Did it take you away from the sport or did you just see it as a bonus? I, I think it was a really good thing because I feel like for an athlete, you train for an Olympics or Paralympics. Um, you train for those four years of hard work for that one race. Then afterwards, you come home. And I do say there's a big you go on a big mental depression. It's a severe low, a yeah. real severe low. Like, well, well, I mean, like, when you say you go on a mental depression, like, like how how like, depressed? Like, you get? you get really like, I'm like, what should I do next? What what's the point? Like, oh, I've done the two gold medals. I've got I've got all the things that I've wanted to get. What do I do now? You're just so it's you you just sit on the sofa and you're back to reality. You're back from that high. You're back to being the best being in the best shape, best mental shape of your life, to thinking, what do I do now? I've got another four years to go to the next Games. What do I do? What's... Well, that's the thing for you as well, because, you know, you go to your third Olympics in Rio, again with a weight of expectation upon your shoulders, and you come away from that with gold as well. Not, not just gold, you get a bronze as well, but there's that bit where you go to the Olympics with a level of expectation and you're no longer that little kid. Yeah. You're no longer the cute 18-year-old or the surprise, you know, 17, 18-year-old. You're a now an established athlete. Did that change the way your competitors looked upon you and also the way you felt about it? Yeah, I think it adds again even more pressure because people are wanting to beat you, you're the athlete to beat. And I'm not that youngster anymore, I'm the one that all, everyone on the team or a few people on the team are wanting that advice and to be, to be portrayed that image. Um, so it's, it's totally different and Rio was a weird Games. It was a good Games, but it was a really strange one. Um, I don't know for me, like even though I came away with a gold medal, it wasn't one of my best Games. Is that because you didn't do what you wanted yeah, to do? Yeah, I didn't do or... perform as well as I wanted to. I, I came away with one personal best and a goal, but the other races didn't go to plan. But it was still amazing. But you, that's because not only, as you say, you're the person to beat now because you're established to your competitors, but you are the elder state person yeah. in the team. You yeah. Know, you know, there was Ellie Robinson, isn't yeah. there? You know, Ellie Robinson even said that she won her own gold and she said she was inspired to do it because she suffers dwarfism as well from what she knew. So you're, you, you've almost gone full circle of inspiring <laughs> the next generation. How does that make you feel? Um. 
you don't think about it because it's just a sport that I love to do and yeah to inspire the next generation is amazing and especially the likes of like Ellie who's gone to Rio and achieved yeah. her gold medal but I think I just want to portray not just to sport but to kids out there that they can achieve anything no matter what age or no matter what they want to do or if anything's stopping them they can do it because I think some kids these days they do have a lot of self-doubt and to know that they can do anything no matter what it's really good. And one of the things that you were allowed to do I suppose or had the opportunity to do because of your profile was a documentary that I watched where you went swimming with dolphins. Oh yeah. Now that is a brilliant <laughs> unique experience isn't it? Yeah. Now, in the documentary, it said, which surprised me, <laughs> yeah. you didn't like swimming in the sea. Oh, no, I hated the ocean. A lot of people say, oh, my God, why do you hate the ocean? Like, you're in the pool all the time. And I know what it's like in the pool. It's three metres deep. I know what's in there. The ocean is just such a vast... Oh, like... but listen, you're a different generation. <laughs> There's people who are my age who, when they were... Nine or ten, a film come out called Jaws. Oh. Yeah, yeah. If you got it, everyone in my generation is already, as soon as you, even to this day, decades later, if I go in the sea, I hear... You've got that thing, yeah. so I fully appreciate it. I mean, I was surprised with you because obviously... If a shark comes, I think you'd probably win. Oh, well, there's actually um, a South African swimmer who, who got injured by getting bitten by a, a great white. So he's lost his legs and now he's a... He's, he's a in the Paralympics. Yeah, he's an amazing athlete. But hearing his story, like... I, I... Now, listen, if, if, if I end up in the Paralympics, I don't want it from a car crash. <laughs> you want what him... happened? A shark came, bit me leg off. I thought, well, let's look on the bright side. I can enter yeah. the Paralympics. Yeah. So maybe, yeah, so maybe we need to take you to South Africa <laughs> instead. So talk us through, because it was a desire to swim with dolphins, dolphins and you had to get over the fear of being in the sea, but you went to Africa to do it to Mozambique, yeah. oh, it which is amazing. one of the few places in the world where you can actually swim with wild dolphins. It was a trip of a lifetime. It was the most amazing thing ever. One time we were doing it in the shoot, I went down and I could hear humpback whales calling to each other and it was just the most amazing thing ever and it, it was really surprising how intrigued they were they kept coming and seeing and like making that noise and just trying to see what we was like and they, it was like it was just so peaceful that like, I could have spent all day under there with them but they were very fast like yeah. I couldn't not keep up with them it was so hard and but it was being one with them it was just me in that moment and just looking into their eyes and just, it was, yeah, a lifetime and a, a trip that I'll never forget. It, it really got my passion into ocean conservation and actually in um, Mexico, I went to Mexico last November and actually swam with whale sharks and bull sharks oh. and stingrays. So it just, it's making me want to swim with even more things. So next thing I know, I'll be swimming with great ones. <laughs> so was that your first experience of going to Africa and just doing something that wasn't training oh, yeah, for the games? Oh, yeah, it was. It was incredible. It says that in the commentary that your life's been so structured and so rigid yeah. and it seems now that as you're becoming an adult, you're branching out from that, you want 
wanting to do other things and have other experiences. Yeah, it is like, I feel at this point in time, I'm known as just my swimmer, like, and that's all I know about myself. I want to go out there and find another part of Ellie. I want to find myself and find out what I really want to do in life. And so at the moment, I'm spending this year of traveling and yeah. going around the world and in places and so you're having a year off training yeah i'm still training i'm doing like i'm supposed to be on a break but i'm actually doing three times a week and doing gym and stuff but um i felt like i needed more mentally i need a mental recharge and a realization of what i want to go back and do and to really help me for the long term now i'm 22 i felt like i needed that i need a year off just to do what i want to do for life moving forward how do you see things because you've achieved so much so so young what's the next thing that you would look to achieve to be honest i don't really know i i, I sometimes sit and think gosh what do i want to do next what do you think of getting married, having kids? Yeah, I would love to. Married. Yeah, I would like to get. I would like to get married and have a big family. But would you worry that that your kids would suffer dwarfism, or is that yeah. not even a consideration to for you? To be honest, no, it's not a consideration. It's quite interesting actually, with the likes of for me having dwarfism and say if I was with a dwarf partner we could have normal children or we could have dwarf children or we could have actually um, stillborn because if I, we both give our dwarf genes then the baby is born dead um, yeah. which is a shame so a baby is a baby and it's yeah. an amazing thing so whatever it is it will always get love yeah it's fair to say and I'm sure everyone would agree you'd excel at being a lovely person oh, that's been a wonderful you. conversation hasn't oh. it Thank Ladies you. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for Ellie. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank This podcast was brought to you by UK TV Play, the free on-demand service. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.